Before I preach, I wanted to take just a couple moments to give you some insight into my brain and my heart as we think about our worship time together. It's a scary place to be, I'm telling you, in my brain. No, I'm just kidding. But this time together is so sacred. I think there is a a tendency in culture at times to minimize the gathering of the people of God. You know, that it's not, it's not that big of a deal if you're here or not, or, or whatever. It's, it's just not that big of a deal. And I just really think it is a big deal. <laughs> I really think that when we gather together as the people of God, we are together shaped and formed, and we're better together. Amen? And so with that in mind, Pastor Mark and I take a lot of time planning how this time will go. And so I wanted to tell you a couple elements that are really important. If you read your Friday email, you already kind of saw some of this. But I want to share some things that we do really intentionally to try to enhance the meaning of our time together. And the first is opening with the Holy Spirit candle. And just this, like, insistence that if the Spirit of God isn't here, we might as well go home. Amen? But we know the Spirit of God is here. And so just taking some time together at the beginning of each service to say, God, have your way. And so I I just love having the family of God together for that moment. So I hope you'll grab your coffee quick and be here to be a part of that moment. It's meaningful. And then also there's this closing moment where Pastor Mark is going to begin each Sunday praying with you ascending prayer of benediction. And it's a really beautiful prayer that we want to invite the family of God on this journey together to pray together at the end of each service. And our hope is, by praying it together, that it will echo in our minds throughout the week and we'll remember that we are ascent people on mission for the King of Kings. Amen? And so today, if you made a lunch reservation, go ahead Get on your phone, call them, and say, I'm, i got to stay for the closing benediction. Okay? But another little reason that I want, I'm asking you to kind of hang out and be a part of that, something else that you'll learn about me as a pastor is it means so much to me to shake as many of your hands as I can on your way out. And so if you guys all stay put... During that last song, I can run to the back door and be ready, okay? So when I run, you stay. Deal? <laughs> and then I will pray that closing benediction with you as we, lead, as we follow Pastor Mark's lead. But our hope is that from beginning to end, our time together is oriented to being shaped and formed by Jesus. Amen? So thank you so much for joining us and being a part of that. You, every single one of you, are important to the journey. And so week three of our conversation about this journey that we speak of, following the way of Jesus together. We started this conversation on our first Sunday, and we'll conclude it today, although we haven't even really scratched the surface. 
But that first week, we oriented ourselves to these words from 1 Peter chapter 2, and so I read them to you again just by way of orienting our hearts to the Word of God. So you can follow along on your screen. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. The Word of God says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. So we orient ourselves to those words which remind us that when we pledge our faith to King Jesus, we inherit this beautiful, messy thing called the church family. And it is a gift. Amen? We're questioning this in this room, I think. We're unsure if it's a gift. Hopefully by the end of this we'll agree. But let's revisit where we've been. So we talked about how we are followers of the way of Jesus. We are on this journey together, and we invite others to join the journey. Last week, we began talking about what happens as we journey together. We looked at the story of Paul's conversion, and we noted this, that as we journey with Jesus together, the most natural reaction is transformation. That as you follow Jesus, you you just can't help but be transformed when you're truly following King Jesus. We talked about how when we journey with Jesus, this transformation is an ongoing, gracious work of God. And so together, we agreed that our gatherings as a together people must be oriented towards encounters with King Jesus that lead to transformation. We noticed in Paul's story that his very ministry and his own transformation was born within community. So yet again, we came face to face with this reality that God designed the Christian faith to be a together journey. And then we wrapped up by noticing that evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. And so that's where we end up this week. And so again, we're, we're approaching God's word and, and asking what else happens as we journey together. So we're going to go to another really important story in scripture. This is a story that we often reference during Holy Week. And so my hope today is that it will be meaningful in this conversation of our together journey. So if you're willing and able, would you stand in honor of reading God's word today? We'll be in John chapter 13, reading verses 1 through 17, and you can follow along on the screen. Church, hear the word of our Lord. Before the Passover celebration... Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. 
He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you are not going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Love, Peter. <laughs> Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. The word of our Lord. You can be seated. <sighs> I received that word slowly today just to let a familiar story feel fresh again. What a shocking story. And today I want to jump right in and say what I, I think we learn from Jesus as we think of following the way of Jesus from that story is this. As we journey together, we follow King Jesus who served with intentionality. As we journey together, we follow King Jesus who served with intentionality. Now right off the bat, I want to give a really important word of caution. If you haven't noticed, we're talking about service today. <laughs> And I think it's really important to note as we embark on this conversation that we also follow a king who practiced weekly Sabbath and rest. So the same God who calls us to a life of service also called us to a life of rest. 
And so I, I think there is this temptation in moments like this to, to use this call to service to compel us into a lifestyle that God never asked of us. And so let's just be set free from that right here. Amen? In fact, I believe our ability to rest, to Sabbath, actually testifies our belief that God makes the world keep spinning on his own. He actually doesn't need us. And so when I rest... God keeps doing his thing. Amen? And so our ability to lean into and to receive the gift of rest from King Jesus is actually a testimony of faith that God is the one that keeps the world spinning on its axis. So as we go into this conversation on on service, I, I want you to know where I stand as a leader we have to also receive that call to be a people who show a different way of life, which is a way that involves rest. Can you receive that today? Naps are holy. Go ahead and put it on your to-do list today if you can. So let's continue on with that word of warning. So as we journey together, we follow King Jesus who served with intentionality. Let's think about the disciples and where they were when this story would have happened in real time. The disciples had walked with Jesus for a few years at this point. If they had eyes to see, they would note that Jesus' servant heart was undeniable. So this moment with Jesus was 100% a teaching moment intending to solidify what he had already modeled to them over and over and over again. I want to read verses 12 through 15 again to you because I think they're important. So after Jesus had done this very tangible thing, this image of foot washing, he said, do you understand what I was doing? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You know, Jesus was really good in that moment because he he basically is like, I am not going to rely on you to figure this out on your own. This is what I'm saying right? He's like, this is what I've done. Now you go and do. Amen. Aren't you thankful for when God is clear? So thankful. So Jesus says, I think this question is so important. He says, do you understand what I was doing? There's this sense that this lesson that Jesus was teaching was important, that Jesus knew his followers needed to get this one. There's some really important cultural implications behind this story that in our Western American eyes are hard to see. So let me read a quote to you from a commentary. It said this, Ancient roads were typically unpaved, so often either dusty or muddy. 
And shoes were normally open sandals, thus foot washing was a routine feature of Mediterranean hospitality. Children or women usually took the despised but essential task when welcoming house guests. Look at that. Children or women usually undertook this task that King Jesus took on. Okay, let's continue on. Adult Jewish men, who Jesus was one of, are you with me? Considered foot washing too demeaning for disciples or even Jewish slaves. The fourth gospel's account is extraordinary. Jesus assumed a role unexpected of men, rare for hosts, and unthinkable for masters. So can you go there mentally with me after having read that quote? Actually, that commentary goes on to say that in secular writing during that time, there is no other example anywhere in historical documents of a leader who would have been at the status Jesus was amongst Jesus' followers that had ever washed feet. So this thing that Jesus did was culturally shocking, and it turned upside down their status-driven society. So that's really important for us to understand as we approach this text. In essence, Jesus is saying, when you choose to follow me, there is nothing beneath us. When you choose to follow me, there is nothing beneath us. Paul echoes this in Romans 12. Paul says it this way. He actually says, do not think of yourselves so highly. Leave it to Paul to lay it out straight, right? Do not think of yourselves so highly. You know, it made me think of summer of service a while back, a few weeks ago, when people were cleaning out horse stalls. That is following the way of Jesus, y'all. Service that some would consider demeaning, but service nonetheless. So in the kingdom of God, this is what we're learning. In the kingdom of God, social status means nothing. And watching Jesus in this act that was really set aside for the children and the women is his way of showing us the upside-down kingdom of God. And so as we said, the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, social status means nothing. Other than in Luke 12, Jesus tells us, to whom much is given, much is required, expected, whatever word you want to throw in there. And so when we have the status of follower of Jesus, nothing is beneath us. So there's this invitation in the story that we read where King Jesus is asking us to follow Jesus into the way of self-giving service to others. So as we journey together, we follow a king who served with intentionality. 
I would echo the language from last week and say, as we journey together, the natural reaction for Jesus followers is not only transformation, but actually another natural reaction should be to serve. God's word has quite a bit to say about service. In fact, in in the prayer that we anchor ourselves to, the Lord's prayer, he calls us to be a part of making heaven come to earth. In that prayer, we say, on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we say yes to a life of service, serving others, serving, serving the kingdom of God, we become a part of that really important prayer. And so today, we're like, okay, I get it, right? So what's this mean for our life together as we follow King Jesus? I think this is what we have to be reminded of. As we follow the way of Jesus together, we make space in our lives to serve others. As we follow the way of Jesus together, we make space in our lives to serve others. Now, I'm going to pause here and do something really important. If you're with me, give me a yee-haw. I knew it. It was time. Let's try again. If you're with me, give me a yee-haw. Okay, okay, okay. Just had to make sure. As we follow the way of Jesus together, we make space in our lives to serve others. So today, I think the Spirit of God is reminding us that transformation along the way is essential, and also service along the way is essential. And I'm thankful again that God is so clear. So let me pause here and say this. If this conversation on serving is already feeling heavy, if you're feeling this sense of shame or guilt, like, oh, here we go again, right? This conversation. They're, they're trying to increase their numbers of people serving around here, so that's why we're, we're getting this. I, I want you to just go ahead and tell Satan where to go, okay? Because service and a life of service is never meant to feel heavy. It's meant to bubble up out of the overflow of our love for God, not be something guilt and shame inducing. So do not hear that from the Lord today. I actually think that that's a huge stumbling block in this conversation. I also think what happens when we talk about service is I've had these conversations so many times as a pastor. People will come to talk to me and, and they'll say, I just don't know what my calling is. I don't know what to do. What is God asking of me? Have you ever asked that question? You can admit that. I've asked that question. And we almost get paralyzed by this, oh, holy God, what is my calling, right? It's good to seek that. But church, I think it's simpler than that. In fact, I'm going to say for Jesus' people, it's quite simple. So let's simplify it together. We're going to say it this way. We all have one shared mission lived out in many ways. In fact, would you read that out loud with me? 
We all have one shared mission lived out in many ways. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to God's word. Jesus simplified it really well for us in this familiar text. We're going to read Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. And Jesus, the king who we follow, said this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your, all your, and all your. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Good job. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Church, Jesus is so good. He was like, let me make it really clear. It's really that simple. What God is calling us into is to just love God with everything that we are and then love people really well. Love God and love people well. A huge part of this is receiving what God, what, what we've called often in the church, the Great Commission, or as I call it, the Great co-mission, because we're joining God in his mission. If you're raised in church, maybe you heard this song, but when I was a kid, we had Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says to go soul fishing. Anybody? Okay. Well, let's read it from God's word. How about that? Matthew 28, verses 18, 18 through 20, you'll probably recognize it. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, and what are those two words? Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the most important part, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so again, King Jesus simplifying it for us. He says, I have been given all authority, and this is what I'm telling you. Go and make disciples. That's it. Now, we could get into big conversation about what that looks like, but now we've narrowed it down to this church. Love God, love people, make disciples. And then Jesus says this epic thing. He says, and get it, guess what? I am going to be with you the entire way. Amen? So as we follow King Jesus, the king who stooped to the lowest status to wash dirty, nasty, stinky, probably feces-covered feet, let's be real, we receive this one shared mission lived out through the people of God in many ways. Now, in real life, this varies in a number of ways. When we think about serving, there's serving in your home, at your job, at the church, as you go in day-to-day -day life, 
Sometimes we're operating within our spiritual gifts, and other times we have moments of Holy Spirit empowerment where we do things completely outside of our gifting. So all of this is important for this conversation. But today, just the message we receive from God is that we should be giving of ourselves to others. And this is a really great time for me to say crisis care kits are coming up. This is such an easy opportunity to serve. I think at this point, the best thing that you could do would be to donate money so that our team can go shop. But also, Wednesday night, we'll be packing those crisis care kits. 630? 6.30. Okay, continue on. Commercial over. <laughs> so our point today, church, is just simply to make sure we are aiming to follow King Jesus. And that that means that we make space in our lives to serve others. We live into our one shared mission. Love God, love people, and make disciples. And together we intentionally live it out according to our God-given design. And so today, if you find yourself as I'm like, serve others, and you're like, I don't know what to do, love God, love people, and make disciples. If you're doing that, you literally cannot go wrong. Amen? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. My hope is that over these three weeks, as I have shared this concept of following the way of Jesus together, is that you learn a little bit about me as a leader, and also we begin to become familiar with God's heart for his church. So may we never forget that we are a together people. Amen? Look around this room. We are each other's people. Amen? We belong to one another. If BCC is your church, we belong to each other. And so we have this gift of going on this together journey where we follow the way of Jesus. We are together transformed to look like, smell like, talk like King Jesus. And as a part of that, we serve one another, our church, our community, our world, as we're a part of that prayer that King Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So today... As we journey together, we follow King Jesus, who was a king who served with intentionality. As we follow the way of Jesus together, we make space in our lives to serve others. And today we find rest in the fact that we all have one shared mission lived out in many ways. I'm thankful for the clarity of God's word. Amen?